bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. I'm Paul Dragu. We're glad you can join us. Last week, me and my fellow senior editor, Veronica Karolinko, as well as a number of JBS members who live in the area, attended CPAC. The event was a blast. It was especially great to see such an influential gathering of people calling out globalism for the threat that it is. So today's show, we're going to play clips from some of the most important interviews we conducted. We're going to listen to what Texas's Attorney General Ken Paxton said about restoring his ability to address election fraud in Texas. We're going to hear what Dr. Robert Malone said about people not trusting the jab and the persistence of vaccine propagandists nonetheless. And in a little bit, Mike Lindell shares with us, with us what he's been working on to restore election integrity. It's quite impressive, actually. All that is coming up. But first, let's listen to what Mark Lauder, a former director of strategic communications for Trump's 2020 campaign, who now works with the America First Policy Institute, what he had to say about the anti-Trump lawfare and Biden's impressive fundraising. We'll be back on the other side of this clip. Well, I think it makes sense from the Biden campaign standpoint because their record stinks. Uh, there's not a single thing that they have touched that hasn't turned into a disaster. So they can't win at the ballot box. They're going to try to win in a courtroom instead. So that's why they've drummed up all of these charges, including things like the, the Associated Press did a review of the most recent case in New York, could not find a single example of that law ever being used like this in the history of the law, except they turned it against Donald Trump. The next case in New York. The federal government looked at this and didn't charge it. The previous district attorney in New York looked at it and didn't charge it. But when you get an anti-Trump district attorney in there, they're going to charge it. They're going to try to do what they can. And it just shows that they're using everything they can to try to defeat him because they know if this gets to the American people, Joe Biden has got a real uphill climb ahead of him. Why would you say that they cannot win at the ballot box? Well, when you look at the polling right now, and I know the polling is subject to change, but at no time during the 2019 or 2020 years did Donald Trump ever lead Joe Biden nationally during the 2020 election. He's now led him in the real clear politics average nationally going all the way back to September. When you look at the six swing states, Donald Trump is leading in five of them by outside the polling margin. There's only one state, Pennsylvania, that's within the margin, slightly in favor of Biden right now, but that's too close to call. All you have to do is win three of those states and you're the next president. When you look at every single issue that matters to the American people, the inflation, economy, crime, the border, the war in Iraq, the war, or, I'm sorry, the war in Iran, the war in uh, Israel, Joe Biden's approval is di double digit negative People don't like the results. They do remember what life was like with Donald Trump. They prefer those policies. And I think that's why you see Joe Biden trailing Donald Trump, not only nationally, but in all of the major swing states. This morning, I've seen on Axios that Joe Biden is, Joe Biden's campaign is actually out raising Trump's campaign. So they have this um, advantage in cash flow right now for some reason, despite all these low approval rating of Joe Biden. What's your comments on that? Well, you obviously have a very woke, very uh, active uh, billionaire class in the Democrat Party that's going to do whatever they can. And trust me, Joe Biden needs all of that money. He's actually going to have to spend that money to try to convince the American people what they see with their own eyes, what they feel in their pocketbook, the pain they see at the grocery store and the gas pump 
isn't real. Because his entire campaign is based on, don't believe your eyes, don't believe the facts, don't believe how you feel, trust what I'm telling you, which is a lie. So I have no doubt that Donald Trump will have all the money he needs to be able to get his message across. He also has a record which people remember, which makes it a lot easier for him. And we still have a primary going on, or at least what looks like a primary going on. And so, but once we get to the, uh, that done with, you'll see the Republican Party, all those donors, you know, kind of mass their resources for Donald Trump. So joining me to discuss today's clips is editor-in-chief of the New American Magazine, Gary Benoit. Hey, Gary Benoit. Hey, Paul Dragul. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Like I said, I'm glad to be back here at HQ. We've been we were gone last week. Of course, uh, I, I reported off the CPAC floor. Um, I was happy to see that interview that we conducted there, that Veronica conducted with Mark Lauder, uh, former Trump official. What do you think of uh, some of these comments that uh, Mark Lauder made? The one that stood out to me is about how, um, I guess, the optimistic view he has or the sunny view he uh, angle he's taking toward all this, the billionaire class coming in and trying to help Biden. He's like, well, he's going to need that. Um, I have a feeling that, you know, in a sane and even a pseudo just America, this race would already be over. Like there's no way any sane person without the propaganda can look at what's happening in this country and say, it's like, I'm going to go with that guy, that guy, the guy who opened the borders, the guy who's, you know, who's pushed this inflation, ratcheted up this inflation to unprecedented levels. Uh, the guy who, while in office, wars erupted everywhere. What do you make of all this, Gary? Well, the thing that really stuck out to, to me in what he said was the fact that Trump cannot be beaten at the ballot box. Right. And therefore, they have to stop him in the, the courtroom. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that's exactly how they are proceeding. That's exactly what's happening. Right. He, he said and, it. Uh, and you got to wonder, Paul, if it's going to reach the point where Trump could actually go to jail. Uh, because what we're talking about is legal uh, warfare we're, we're, or lawfare. lawfare. Uh, we're talking about lawfare. We're talking about the weaponization weaponization of the law, and it really has nothing to do with whether or not uh, Trump may be guilty of any crimes. And uh, the whole thing is just completely bogus. Well, like he said, like he said there, this has come about because they they tried every other avenue, and so now they're 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 kind of doing some legal acrobatics there to try to get him. Everyone could see through it, uh, but nevertheless. The system is somewhat rigged. Uh, some would say a lot rigged. So that's, like you said, that's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean that Trump isn't going to be thrown in jail. Well, sure. And a good example, although he would not be thrown in jail for this because this, this uh, was civil as opposed to criminal, but uh, how outrageous what happened in New York and uh, how uh, uh, in your face where you have mega banks that say that no harm was done to them and yet Trump is forced to pay uh, uh, over $300 million yeah. in, uh, in damages. And and usually there is a correlation. There's a correlation between the harm that is done to somebody and the damages that you pay. Yeah. And so you could take the harm, which is zero, and multiply that by a number that is infinitely high, and it's still going to be zero, right, Paul? Uh, and yet he's supposed to cough up uh, all this money, and he's appealing. He is appealing. Uh, but they want the money right away anyway, and they're threatening to take uh, take away all his assets in, yeah. in New York. Uh, uh, of course, if there is a silver, a silver lining to this, uh, it's the fact that it is so obvious. It is so in your face. How can the American people not see this, Paul? Yeah. And I think the, uh, I think the answer is they do see it. 
They do. They absolutely see it. Um, when I saw Trump in, in Washington, D.C., he referred to some of this lawfare and the people behind it. And, and I think some of the words he used uh, was uh, thugs and lunatics and, <laughs> and whatnot, because that is, that is unfortunately what's happening. But like you said, the people see through it. I saw such a collection of, I've been to Trump rallies and I've been to various conservative conferences and whatnot. And I gotta say, I was not expecting such a diverse group here at CPAC. And even Nigel Farage, the Brexit uh, leader who, who was there this year, as he has been in many mm -hmm. years, he said, I remember 10 years ago when I came here, we were the only, uh, I was the only foreigner or whatnot. Here. Right. Now we have so many representatives of foreign countries. And the reason for that is because everyone realizes the threat that is globalism and they're coming together and they're banking. This, this is so important. This election is so important that, oh, for the rest of the world, not just us. Right. And of course, it's not just the presidential election that's important, but it's other elections as well. Uh, Congress, for instance, in our system of government uh, is responsible for making 100% of the laws. Uh, that's the legislative branch. And, and so we need a good, good Congress and yeah. we need good people at the state level as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that some other time too because we do need to address that because there was also a lot of uh, hope vested, a lot, seemed like a lot of eggs were vested in the presidency and this is part of the problem. Right. And I think even though uh, MAGA, America First, conservatism is coming around to at least realizing the threat that it's globalism, there is also, there is a lack to understand in, in understanding as far as how to tackle it because there are a lot of people still who say, this is the guy, we're going to write this guy. Hey, America, how tired are you of mainstream corporate media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But the New American Magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years. This is your opportunity to receive the stalwart of principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep twice a month, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, the New American is available to radio listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com slash radio25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash radio25. For more news and in-depth analysis from The New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than The New American. You can subscribe online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top, and then on the drop-down, hit the subscribe button. Or, if you prefer, you can call for a subscription. Call 1-800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. Welcome back. Dr. Robert Malone, a scientist and creator of mRNA technology, has turned out to be one of the staunchest defenders of medical freedom. In this interview with TNA, he talks about vaccine harm being a foregone conclusion and the vaccine propaganda that persists to this day, despite the lethal truth about it. Check it out. What do you think they're hiding from us, sir? 
Well, there's a lot of things. Obviously, and the data are trickling out on an almost daily basis. There's this new uh, publication from Vaccine that was funded by the CDC to the tune of $10 million that analyzes public uh, government, basically government and hospital data, so it underreports the vaccine harms. But uh, this is, represents about 99 million people analyzed, and it confirms these safety signals of myocarditis, pericarditis, central venous thrombosis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, uh, central nervous inflammation, and a number of other things, but those are the big ones. And so uh, it's really no longer tenable to say that the vaccine is not causing harm. All we're left with now is quibbling over how much harm and the relative risk-benefit ratio. And unfortunately, there are no good data. All of the data are contaminated by reporting bias, under-reporting bias. Uh, but we also, so the two big narratives, remember we were told again and again and again in a form of uh, neuro-linguistic programming that these vaccines were safe and effective. But it's now untenable to say that they're fully safe and that there haven't been vaccine harms. That just can't be justified anymore. And uh, I assert that it's no longer tenable to say that the vaccine products are effective. They don't stop infection. They don't stop transmission. They don't prevent death. They don't prevent uh, disease. We can, we're now down to quibbling whether or not they have uh, significant benefit for death and disease. And that's been the government position, but that also the data are increasingly contradicting that. And particularly if you've had uh, multiple inoculations. And uh, it seems that after about two months, give or take, after you receive these products, you actually become more susceptible to uh, death and disease and infections. So that's called negative efficacy. Uh, so the whole narrative that has been promoted that these are safe and effective is falling apart, just like the narrative that this was a natural infection that this was a natural virus, that's, I think, no longer tenable either. The data have become so overwhelming because of the public good projects, uh, acquisition through Freedom of Information from EcoHealth Alliance of the uh, diffuse proposals uh, that document uh, that the, strangely, uh, the exact sequence and some key elements, including the specific site at which the furin cleavage site is in the virus, was uh, specifically proposed by EcoHealth Alliance. So EcoHealth Alliance somehow presciently uh, was able to predict the sequence of a virus that didn't exist yet when they were uh, submitting a proposal to DARPA proposing to develop such a virus. So I, I think that it's just no longer tenable that this is not an engineered laboratory artifact. Uh, this is an engineered biopathogen. There's no question about that, and there's no question that the vaccines are not safe and are not effective. My understanding, I haven't seen official data, but my understanding is that the uptake of the latest round of inoculations, the latest booster, is about 5%. Okay, so that's real data not polling data, 5% uh, uptake indicates that the population has seen through the propaganda. Yet still, the other day when I went to pick up my own medicines from Walmart, the pharmacist took me aside and said, are you up to date on your vaccines? 
they're still pushing this. And yet, the population is not accepting it. So that suggests that the message has gotten through. There's a real data. Now, you ask about whether the population in general, the public, is increasingly aware of the uh, uh, cognitive warfare, psi war, uh, effects of the uh, uh, military-industrial censorship complex. Uh, that is a story that's coming out faster and faster also. And this recent interview from Mike Bentz uh, with uh, Tucker Carlson lays out a timeline for the development and the kind of the wiring diagram of how this has happened, how we've developed what's essentially a mercenary army, really a number of mercenary armies that are actively bidding with, against each other uh, to provide censorship and propaganda services to whoever wants to buy their services. You know, whether it's the U.S. government or it's Pfizer or it's Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they'll, they're mercenaries. They'll work for whoever wants them to work. And th this is the product of a decades-long, really since World War II, uh, development of a, uh, a amazing propaganda and psychological warfare capability that up until about 2016, up until the Trump election and Brexit, was uh, required to be externally directed, so directed towards Europe and the rest of the world, but not allowed to be deployed in theory in the United States. But as Mike Bentz clearly documents, uh, and I want to say that, documents. Now this is not a theory, this is not his hypothesis, this is a series of extremely well-documented and cited information that demonstrates that this uh, censorship industrial complex has been turned against the American civilian population. And just to underscore the point, uh, uh, Robert Epstein, uh, who's been very active in this area also, had published a paper in 2015 in a peer-reviewed journal that documented that Google is able to swing elections by up to 20 points, 20 electoral points, and has been very involved in regime change all over the world, and is now employing these same techniques of uh, regulating reach, uh, um, censoring free speech, uh, upregulating certain types of messages and downregulating others in order to manipulate electoral results in the United States. All right, Gary, so there's so much there, and obviously we can't get to almost none of it, but what popped out at me was the point he made about 5% intake despite the propaganda, uh, and he said, you know, the, the message is getting through. Really, really inspiring. Uh, the alternative media, up as we're part of and whatnot, we've won. I feel like we've won this battle. What popped out to you regarding that conversation? Well, exactly the, the same thing, but I'm going to say the reason we won the battle is because there were people who spoke out and uh, there are people like uh, Dr. Malone. There, there were others, of course, who, who spread the word and uh, did what they could through alternative media and to uh, tell the town and mm -hmm. uh, reach, uh, reach the people, so to speak. And, yeah. uh, uh, and also, I'm sure there are many Americans who tragically uh, know people, uh, perhaps family members who have been yeah. injured, uh, who perhaps have even died as a result of these vaccines. But the word is getting out. 
but uh, we need to do that much more. We, we need to multiply getting the word out. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the more informed people are, the more reading they do, uh, the better equipped they'll be to be able to recognize the propaganda, to recognize the, the falsehoods for what they are. Yeah, and he mentioned a Mike Benz interview. It was a terrific interview. Kudos to Tucker, of course, for getting that. But by Mike Benz, like he said, he brought the documentation. I mean, he just broke it down into details because, you know, we could, we could speak in generic terms, but Mike Benz showed how they're doing that. Who are the agencies? Who are the people who are creating this propaganda, who are censoring? Really good stuff. I, I recommend it, even though I don't know if we should be recommending others, but I do. Anyway, after this, we are going to be talking to Ken Paxton, the Attorney General for Texas. In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly, some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists. Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control, immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash outofcontrol. The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this Polish Collector's Edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. Ken Paxton is the Attorney General of Texas, and for where we stand, he's one of the good guys. Listen to what he said about George Soros' influence on the Texas justice system, the need to clean up the Texas Criminal Court of Appeals, and the Lone Star State's efforts to secure its border. I would like to ask you about the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. The media is not covering it the right way. Please tell us what's, what's happening. Yeah, so in Texas, we have a weird court system. We have the Texas Supreme Court that is the final appeal on civil matters. And then we have the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. It's the final appeal on criminal matters. So that court's made up of nine members. They're all Republicans. And George Soros, you've heard of him, came into Texas and got his DAs elected in the liberal counties who will not prosecute voter fraud or anything else. And then he worked on getting a Republican Court of Appeals put together that came in two years ago and struck down the Attorney General's ability to prosecute voter fraud, which had been in place for since 1951. It's a long time. Thousands of cases. We had 900 cases either being investigated or we'd already, we were already prosecuting and we'd already prosecuted others. So we had real voter fraud issues 
and they came in and said that it's unconstitutional for me to go to court. And so now in Texas, we have elections and we're running three people, Gina Parker, David Finley, and David Shank against the incumbents. So I need people in Texas to vote. And this should matter to the whole country because if Texas, if we lose Texas, we're going to lose the whole country. How likely is that? If we weren't working on this, I'd say we were going to lose. We're, it, but because we're, we put these three people up, I think we got a really good chance of winning. But I, that's why I want to, I'm talking about it. Because right now, people have to go out and vote in Texas because we're in early voting until March 1st and March 5th is our election. So I need people to go out and vote for them and for John Devine for uh, Texas Supreme Court. Okay. Um, what's, what's your assessment of the uh, situation on the border right now? It's the worst I've ever seen it. The Biden administration has continued to ignore federal law. They've actually aided, aided and abetted the cartels to bring as many people here as possible, as fast as possible. And they've created the network. The cartels have created the network because they, they get paid for each person that comes across, $10,000, $12,000. And then because the border is so wide open and our border patrol agents are so busy processing millions of illegals, it opens the border for drugs and other crimes and, and terrorism. So we have a real problem. What's the objective of the Biden's um, immigration policy, so-called? Yeah, yeah, they're not doing well with this this issue. And that's one of the reasons they're, I think, backing off a little bit right before the election. But he's done everything to dismantle, everything he could to dismantle federal law and make it easy for the cartels to transport people into this country. Are you suggesting he is working for the cartels? He has given them, he's empowered them by telling them, you don't have to worry about Border Patrol anymore. You don't have to hide. Just bring them to us and we'll process them. So your job, cartels, is to bring as many people here as possible and we'll get them through for you. That's what's going on. Mr. Paxton, where are you right now with this uh, razor wire case and your standoff uh, with, with the federal government? So we're still putting razor wire up. We were not told not to and we're going to continue. If they cut it down, we're going to put it back up. And we're still in that lawsuit. We haven't lost the lawsuit. We were just told by the Supreme Court that there is no injunction right now. If, if Border Patrol or the Biden administration wants to cut it down, they can. There's nothing stopping us from putting it right back up. Fantastic. Have you seen the border crossings decreasing? Yes, they absolutely have decreased a lot in Texas. So it is helpful when you put up wire and fences and you block people's way in. They go another way. They go where it's open. And that's what they're doing. All right, Gary. Huge surprise. Who would have thought you put up barriers and the, the flow of illegal uh, immigration ceases or at least uh, significantly decreases? Uh, Ken Paxton, obviously touching on a lot of uh, important topics there. The one about the criminal court of appeals, that's something I actually didn't know until we talked to him. Kudos again to Veronica. She did terrific work. Ken Paxton was was a hit uh, around there. Everywhere he went, there was a little mob of people following him, wanting to get talk to him for for obvious reasons what popped out to you the most as far as what kevin paxton said i think what popped out to me was what i did not know and uh i i did not know that texas was sabotage in terms of being able to prosecute. go after uh, voter fraud and, and prosecute it imagine tying the hands of uh uh the attorney general and the attorney general's uh, office that way uh, all through soros money Mm -hmm. And uh, and I agree, too, that uh, at least if you look at the map today, the red states and the blue states, uh, that if Texas were to go south, so to speak, if uh, Texas were to become uh, a blue state, um, that that really would mean that that would be it for the rest of the country. Yeah, well, it makes sense because Texas has the most electoral votes when it comes to, to the Republican Party. But, you know, I was listening to that. I believe I was there when that was happening. And it made me think. 
we're always on the defense, right? Mm -hmm. We're obviously trying to make sure that Texas doesn't go blue and other countries, I mean, other states and whatnot. But how about we lay out, you know, the, the America First Policy Institute, which we heard of, and, and there's all these uh, conservative think tanks coming up. Is there a plan? And I know you don't necessarily know this, but I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Mm -hmm. There should be a plan to take back one of the other bigger states. And, you know, between New York and California, I know it sounds crazy now, but it wasn't so crazy 20, 30 years ago. I think California should be a target of Republicans uh, especially red pill Republicans to take back within the next 20, 10, 20 years, instead of us just sitting on defense and waiting for the next attack and then sitting, you know, uh, gathering the troops. Well, there should be a plan. And actually the John Birch side does have a plan to take back the country one state at a time and one congressional district at a time uh, regarding congressional districts. Uh, that that's very important because uh, uh, as was said earlier in this program today, it is Congress that determines what the legislation is. And the president is supposed to carry out that legislation. Uh, he's supposed to be the chief executive officer, so to speak. He's supposed to execute mm -hmm. the law. So one congressional district at a time, uh, we need to get a good Congress. But we also need to get good states. And, uh, and, and uh, of course, uh, when you look at that, if you look at the U.S. Senate, uh, California, the amount of clout that it has in the U.S. Senate mm. is the same as, let's say, South Dakota or Montana, where you're from. Well, yeah, the Senate. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, and, and that's 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 good. And I'm glad I'm glad you brought the J John John Birch Society up. Obviously, that is our parent company. We have, and it reminded me of our Power of Five Hundred um, program there. Sure. Where well, explain that? It looked like you were going to jump in there. Okay. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> Well, the Power of 500 is saying that if you had uh, 500 people who were activists in a single congressional district and they're working together through mm -hmm. concertive action, that they could actually change enough minds, or I should say create enough understanding that it would actually change the, uh, 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 the, the uh, results when people go into the voting booth to such an extent that it would result in constitutionalists getting ex elected for Congress. Yeah, and, and there's already some... Um some outlets are mostly news-based outlets, but some of the things they do is, you know, they, they'll ask their listeners, they'll mobilize their listeners. And, and that's no different from, you know, what we do, except we have, you know, members, they come together, they gather, they, we have an agenda right. that is national, but also local in scope. And that's essentially sure. the, the, the point. And let's not overlook that local part of the agenda because nationally under our system of government, which is a federal system of government, the uh, the federal government can only do those things uh, that have been delegated to it by by the uh, the people and by mm -hmm. by the states and all other powers are reserved to the people in the states, which should be most of the powers of um, uh, of government. So uh, the state of Wisconsin, where we are, for instance, or the state of Montana, can say no to uh, unconstitutional usurpations on the part of the federal government. That we are not going to uh, violate the constitution when, uh, within our states. We're we're not going to cooperate with this uh, usurpation. That's that nullification that we, exactly. we're always pushing. Mm -hmm. And it's worked. It's been used before. Uh, it's been vilified as being racist, which is completely wrong and even contrary to history. Uh, but that's a, that's a great point. Thank you, Gary. Next up, we're going to feature election integrity madman Mike Lindell's interview. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West, rifles, strapping men, and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? 
The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World, for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer, available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. My pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, has spent every waking moment since Trump was robbed of his election victory in 2020 to securing our elections. We ran into him at CPAC and got to hear about the exciting things that he continues to do on that front. Let's listen to what Lindell told TNA senior editor, Veronica Karolinko. Everything's going according to plan, so to speak. You can go to lindellplan.com and check it out. But what we have, we did set up the Election Crime Bureau is actually working great. You combine that with the cause of America, and I have over 300,000 people in all 50 states. And what we're doing is we're approaching every single county. Think of every county like a sales pitch to get rid of the voting machines and go to paper ballots and count it. And it's working. We have over 250 counties committed to paper ballots and count. Uh, as we speak right now in uh, Pierre, South Dakota, uh, we have my whole team, uh, all these counties are there, these uh, commissioners of the counties and, uh, and the grassroots, they're there meeting at the Capitol. Twelve counties now have already committed in South Dakota to go to paper ballots or at least get on uh, the, um, to vote on them. What it is, South Dakota is very unique where you, get, you need 5% of the county's registered voters on a petition to go to, to make it where they has to go to an election within 60 days. So this is very unique. And they had it in New Hampshire too. We just did it with the towns. We got a hundred and some towns in New Hampshire that now have to go to paper ballots and count it because that's what the people want. So in, and people say, well, so South Dakota has 66 counties. We believe we'll have them all. And, um, and they say, well, why is that important? Well, for two and a half years, we were blocked at everything, blocked by judges that wouldn't look at the evidence based on merit. We were blocked by our own party. The Republicans were the worst, the worst, nobody worse than the Uniparty Republicans. We'd go into Alabama, I'd go to their Secretary of State and say, look at John, John Merrill, the Secretary of State. I said, look at, you had a, a 4,622 people that voted in Alabama that were over 100, 110 years old. And he said, well, Mike, we live pretty good in Alabama. And I go, John, that's disgusting, okay? Uh, you go into like Arkansas. We go in there, Cleborne County, Arkansas, goes to vote to go to paper ballots. Every county in Arkansas was thinking about doing it. Because Kim Hammers, another Republican, pushes a bill through. You ready for this? If you go to paper ballots in Arkansas, we defund your county. I mean, you can't make this up. So we're tired of being blocked. Um, this last August, the RNC, a year ago when I ran for RNC chair, one thing that came out of that was a resolution that they voted in 168 to zero, paper ballots, hand counted, same day voting, paper, uh, um, 
uh, precinct level signature required. So they better follow their own thing. When we come around this time, they better, you know, not say, well, we really like our machines. Well, that's not what you said in August, okay? So we're going after them and we're taking it on head to head at the county level. The reason South Dakota, New Hampshire, even California, where we've got paper ballots in places there, are important is because now you have proof of concept. You are, they're seeing that, hey, it's, it can be done, and it can be done fast, like Argentina did it in four months. Went, their whole country went to paper ballots a couple months ago. And um, so now these swing states will all, you know, everyone will end up with paper ballots. And this is what we have to have to secure our election. Another thing you ask about the Election Crime Bureau, we have a thing, everybody should go to the app store and get the Mike Lindell Courage app. Just look up Mike Lindell apps. That Courage app is a canvassing tool. You're all gonna need that. If you all wanna get involved, you need that app. You also need the Frank Social app. Frank Social and, and the Courage app. You need they, them too. You can get involved even in your own backyard. You can look it up and see what happened in the election in your own neighborhood. And you can report things you see that are deviations or anomalies. That goes straight to my election crime bureau. We take this all to the courts at the highest level. We have cases now they are going to be up to the Supreme Court. And uh, so we're getting at it from both the bottom and the top. It's the best plan ever. Well, it's the only plan we got, but it's going to work. If everyone needs to get involved because we get one shot at this, one shot. I'm here at CPAC and I want to tell you things that I, one of the things I'm going to say from that stage tomorrow before our real president speaks, I'm going to tell everyone, vote same day. Anybody that tells you to vote early is wrong. They're misconstrued. They don't understand what happened in our elections with these computers. They have to vote same day. If you can't vote same day, at least vote in person if you have early voting. But do not vote um, with mail-in vote or whatever. Go there same day. It's harder for them to cheat with these computers. Most of the most um, awful election irregularities and fraud happens in four states. In 2020, it was Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Pennsylvania. Have you been working with them? Oh, yeah, we work with all of them. In Georgia, I'll give you an example. In Georgia, we waited, we waited four years. Down in Georgia, you have crooked Brad Rassenberger, another Republican, probably the biggest um, blocker in United States history. Uh, he's, a, he's a Republican. He's the Secretary of State of Georgia. Then they have Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, Republican. Chris Carr, Attorney General of Georgia, Republican. If you're a Democrat in Georgia, you're not going to win. Let me just tell you that right now. You're not going to win. Here's, they control the machines down there. Brad Rassenberger was taken to court four years ago by Democrat. That judge, finally this fall, Obama appointed judge, made a ruling in Georgia and said, if you question the machines, you're not a conspiracy theorist. Whoa, I got to take off my tinfoil hat. And and if you, um, that they're vulnerable. She said the experts have looked at them. So, so then it went to court January 9th, and you might not have seen this on the news because they don't want to talk about it. A, a guy, Alex Halderman, the expert in front of that judge, this is in January, hacked into the machine with a ballpoint pen in five minutes and switched the election. Did you hear about that? This is all happening. And and so in Georgia, Georgia's kind of the tip of the spear in another way. Georgia, they should they wanted these machines outlawed a long time ago. This judge could make that ruling and it'll change everything for Georgia. And Georgia, I'll give you an example how bad it is. 
three Democrats a year and a half ago, and you're going to find the way I talk, it's all about getting rid of the machines. It's all about getting rid of the machines and going to paper ballots. We've got to get rid of the computers in our election. But in Georgia, a year and a half ago, three Democrats were running. This nice lady and her husband got zero votes in her own precinct. Zero. Now, if, they, if I was the bad guys, Brad Rassenberger, I would have gave him two votes. So they'd say, I'm sorry, ma'am, only, only one loves you is your husband. But they gave her zero, okay? So that stood out. They had to look into the machines. They opened them up and go, oh, you really got 3,600 votes. She went from third to first. Another nice lady, another Democrat, three counties over, four counties over, got 4,820 votes but she wasn't on the ballot and she wasn't a write-in. So they called it, old Crooked Brad looked at it and said, oh, it's a programming error. Why are you programming our elections, A, and why are you typing her name in, B? But the media didn't grab that. When they hacked in with that pen, that should have been worldwide news. It should be over. Nobody wants these things, right? Um, they just had, you just had Ecuador do paper ballots hand counted. They got a fair election. Taiwan, the best election. They saved their country, paper ballots hand counted. That was a month ago. Argentina went to paper ballots this fall just by one judge saying, we got to get rid of these machines. Now, what I've done is I've studied every hand counting system in the world. France, Germany, UK, they all paper ballots hand counted. The Netherlands, all of them, they've saved their countries throughout this time. By, by not having computers. All right, Gary, we're back. You had something very interesting you wanted to share before we close out the show. Please do. Yes. I have with me a copy of the October 1976 Bulletin of the John Birch Society, and I'm going to read from an article in there by Robert Welch, who was the founder of the John Birch Society, what he said about the importance of paper ballots going back to 1976. He said, So we are hereby urging all conservative candidates for any important offices, state or federal, to give careful consideration to the problem of obtaining honest treatment in the electoral process. And we are further making a more general but equally intense recommendation to the American public at large to take all necessary steps for getting rid of all voting or vote counting machines as rapidly as they possibly can. Those apparatuses constitute a very serious and calculated danger to the future of the American Republic. There we go. John Birch yep. Society calling it again. Once again, we're ahead of the curve. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. And that's all for the show today, folks. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com to watch the rest of those interviews, and we have others as well. And please join us again for another episode tomorrow. <laughs>